Hey, good morning, afternoon, whatever time zone uh, that you're listening here in. I am with Mike Campbell. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, 10 months ago, I started my journey uh, in men's work, and I've always wanted to do something in this realm. I just didn't know when. And recently, I had this revelation. I want to build a practice for men to turn their pain into their power. And so for me, this podcast is that way to get men's stories out there of when that catalyst was for them, disconnection with themselves, through the world, whatever it may be, to now be uh, living consciously and connected and living a full life. I'm here with Mike Campbell, someone that's very renowned in the men's community. And I just, uh, Mike, if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself, how it all started, and then we'll go from there. All right. Beautiful. Where it all started, well, thanks for having me on, first of all, Alex, and, you know, fucking great work in and diving into this yourself you know um it's not necessarily that easy to start anything afresh but certainly you know when you talk about pain to power one of the things that that first of all requires is looking at our pain and that and that's one of the more challenging things right so i suppose that that will help me transition into into my story so look i suppose okay where it all started it's it's one of those things and i'm sure you've had many conversations um like this in a form you know, like I, I think for a lot of people, you know, you've spoken about separation and, and relationships often a big thing for a lot of guys where something starts at like, boom, you know, uh, uh, an ultimatum, uh, I'm out of here, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm shit needs to change, you know, or some kind of rock bottom or version of it. I've spoken about this myself a little bit for me and a lot of the time we need a version of rock bottom, which isn't necessarily, you know, like under a bridge covered in my own piss and shit and vomit, but something where, holy crap. My life needs to change. I didn't have one of those moments, although it can sound nice when we turn it around. I think mine was more of a, I don't know, a slow burn, you know, like for me, it, it, how I got to this place where I am right now and working with men, yeah, it was a bit of a slow evolution of me as as a, a human and and what I was doing. So, you know, like my my where I started my professional career, um, I suppose is what you would call it, is I came out of university in 2004 with a physical education degree. And um, that was the time, certainly I'm from New Zealand. I live in Australia. I'm from New Zealand for those trying to grapple with my accent. I'll, I'll do my best to Americanize certain words that I know tend to trip people up. And um, it was the time, certainly in New Zealand, in this part of the world, where if you were going to become a personal trainer, you did a degree, you know? So like I did a five-year degree, five years, was that? Yeah. And in fact, that feels like a little while ago now. And I, I I did that degree because when I went to university, I had no fucking idea what I was going to do. I just knew, you know, I was curious and I was, I had a level of intelligence where it was like, I'll go to university, you know, and then uh, to college. And I found a university, like a, a physical education paper. And in that I was like, oh shit, this is interesting. You know, the human body. Wow. And I was interested in some other things, but I really just was like, I think I'll do this. And so I spent kind of four and a half, five years doing this degree still with no real idea of what I'm going to do. And I got to the end and it was like, well, I got two choices. Half the people in my degree go and become a personal trainer and the other half go and become a teacher. And I was like, I don't want to teach, which seems ironic, I suppose now, given that's it's kind of what I do. But I, I, I went into the world and, you know, most of the, the, the model there was you start a business. So immediately I started a business and all of a sudden I go from working in labs and textbooks and shit to working with humans. And that was like, oh, what? This is whoa humans how do i what's going on here 
I, I was completely this new thing of like understanding how to interact with and work with this person. And what I think I didn't learn, and maybe I didn't show up for the for the lectures, which is possible. But what I don't think I did learn was, whilst someone might have you know X problem and here's ABC solution, I didn't learn that this big thing in the middle was their behavior. And so very early on working as a personal trainer, I learned that fundamentally what I'm doing is behavior change. That, that's it. Now that didn't, you know, it wasn't a light bulb moment that sent me down the rabbit hole. I think it was just a slow, slow burn. But, you know, over the next kind of 10 years, I moved to the UK and I lived over there. And I was always kind of working in the city, you know, corporate type uh, environments. And those types of, of, a lot of my clientele was, you know, mean bankers, lawyers, accountants, you know, that kind of stuff. A lot of similar stuff was coming up. And my nature is to be curious and figure out the person in front of me. And so slowly, without too much consciousness, I was just like, let's just figure out this problem here. I started to learn that there's a physical thing that these guys want. And it's me too, you know, um, but there's an emotional thing driving this. And so slowly I started to, you know, okay, well, we're going to get to what, what what's that thing what, what, what's the thing that's going to make a difference because i do not want to and cannot keep trying to work with people who here's the best program in the world and you don't do it like that that is frustrating and infuriating and so that was the you know for me it's like i gotta what's the thing that's going to work what's the thing that's going to work so that was kind of always the question on my on my shoulder i moved back to um sydney australia in late 2009 and that's kind of where i had my moment let's say um where things changed somewhat and i had some fairly significant yeah life events for me you know because fairly significant might be very different for someone else so it was a bit of a slow burn first of all of like being in the realm of coaching behavior change but in a different avenue is kind of the the, the first setup to the story i suppose you want me to keep going at this point Yo, keep going. Tell me more about that 2009 <laughs> moment when uh, when you had those that that slow burn. Cool. So I was engaged to be married at the time. I was living with my fiance in Ireland before that, and then at the same time, my my mother was very ill with lung cancer back in New Zealand. And so, you know, this I have so, I have beautiful hindsight on all of this right now. But you know, this was. Um, a, a pretty challenging time where I was kind of in my mid twenties and and really about, you know, like finding my way in the world and and having experiences and, and, you know, like figuring out what I loved and what I gave a shit about and, and really like, you know, having adventures and so on. So to be literally on the other side of the world from my mother was very challenging, but at the same time, like I knew that she wanted me to be out there living my life. And it, it was it, that alone started to, you know, have, at least reflections of like oh shit life can be pretty fragile and, and this kind of stuff you know anyway so we we moved back 2009 my um fiance and me and i was pretty skint like i kind of spent all my money you know on the final trip around europe and all this kind of stuff and so i um you know was crashing like we were crashing at my sister's my my partner was in new zealand she was she'd gone to a friend's wedding and then i was going to be going back kind of the next week to, to meet her to go to another wedding uh, the phone call was a sunday morning i'm not shitting you believe it or not it was february the 14th um, valentine's day and you know like I, the phone rings i like i see her name pop up you know like, all excited like hey babe you know how, how, how's things and it was just a silence on the other end of the phone 
uh, which I now know to be a very, very <laughs> loud silence. And, you know, what came was, I can't marry you. And what came next to me was like this, I suppose you would call it a, a naive hope for that being some kind of joke. But really, you know, it was, it was a blindside and it was not callous in any way, shape or form from her. You know, I can look at that now and see like, man, such fucking balls, you know, that, that took what courage to, to the, as the story somewhat goes, sitting at a friend's wedding the day before, watching the video of ours and going like, holy shit, this is, you know, we're getting ready for this. And that's not actually, I can't do that with this person we're not right all the things so i, I was pretty blindsided and, and that like really fucking you know cut my legs out from under me it was a extreme like i was devastated and it was after that uh, a huge period of um sadness and grief and self-reflection but it was also kind of like there's these other facets to it like literally the next day was when i was starting at the new gym where i was building my my new business like again we just got back to to sydney i was had no, no money basically and so i had to like put on this face to like keep it together and build a business you know like essentially sell myself on my skills and my expertise that was that was a challenging time and at the same time my mother was very ill at this point and so i ended up having a lot of like very quick like rush to the airport in sydney it's about a three-hour flight back to new zealand like get on a flight or maybe buy a flight you know on the phone on the way there we think this is it kind of stuff and so I, I was dealing with a lot of stuff and and i think i was blessed in the sense that my sister was in sydney i was living with her for a, a little while and I'm very close with her. So I, I was very supported there, but it did send me into a period of like really just kind of going inside and going, okay, what the fuck is going on here? How do I navigate this? Like to the relationship, like really getting going down the path of like, what was my part in this? Like, how can I learn from this? And most of that was like, so this doesn't happen again. And it did send me into a period of certainly, you know, like uh, six, eight weeks later when I, kind of realized that i had a penis again i was like oh, i'm just gonna be single i'm not interested in a relationship and like you know i, I really started to to spin myself a, a a big lie where um mostly i didn't want to get hurt again but you know it, it allowed me to justify it and being signal and single and kind of playing the field um and and at the same time like supporting my mother supporting my sister you know like really getting this message of how important life is and how important our health is and so i did a lot of reflection during that kind of next 12 months or so and then i was um in a situation where i met someone spoiler she's now my wife but we were working together in the gym we became friends and you know after a little while the friendship kind of you know went to a new a new level and i was fortunate in that she you know now with hindsight saw saw something in me that I was too blind to because I had so much other shit going on and I hadn't really matured to that point yet. And, and she asked me, you know, some really simple questions about like who I was, what I gave a shit about, what I wanted to do. And, and it really started kind of taking the introspection and reflection to a new depth and really going like, okay, I'm, I don't know, 28, maybe at this point, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And what have I been doing? And what am I good at? And so I looked at what I did as a personal trainer on the surface, you know, like help you with this. And then to the depth of like what I really did was like 
men would come to me and they would have some shit going on. I want to get ripped. It was never about that. You know, it was about what was beneath that, how they see themselves, their identity, their self-worth, their self-esteem. And, and, and that was what I was there to address. And I formed this, you know, set of modes, I suppose, and patterns and, and, and um, tools to support them in that. And, and it's really what started the question of like, Hmm, men, well, physically we're not where we want to be because i'm seeing that all the time but then like well mentally and emotionally we're not and that's driving it why the fuck is that and so then i started to, to ask that question like what is going on with men because if we want to do something about it holy shit that's challenging confronting confusing and so i kind of like that was like the rabbit hole opening of like there, there's a bunch of shit going on here with men what is that and and i've kind of you know landed on this like what is it to be a man these days that seems quite confusing are we strong and tough and stoic and you know swallow it down and are we um, emotional and open and this new age man and so for me uh, you know i saw a lot of myself in all of this and i saw a lot in all the men that i've been working with in the realm of the physical in the past and so one of the things that was very clear to me in that point alex was like i cannot keep working with men in the physical when i know that there's something deeper that we have to address and it is, you know, really at the root of behavior change, et cetera. So I was like, well, that's basically what I've been doing. So it was kind of like at that point around 2012 where I took a big pivot in my business and, um, you know, I started focus on, fo focusing specifically on working with men uh, in terms of what was going on, let's call it beneath the surface. And, you know, it was, it, was, it was a bit of a slow, kind of a couple of years of like finding my feet and still, you know, having a few training clients on the side to pay the bills and so on. But it was really a big period for me to continue that self-reflection, that self-work, and, you know, deal with a bunch of my own shit, especially heartbreak. My mother passed away, like losing that, that figure in my life and then forging this new relationship um, and making sure that all of my shit didn't come into that, you know, like fear of being hurt again and, and all that kind of stuff. And it really allowed me to continue to build my skill set in terms of supporting men uh, as well. So from that point on, you know, uh, I've been headfirst in this work with men and it's evolved and, and so on over the years. But that that's kind of the story. Was I want to go back to that time. And fiance. And she said, hey, I can't I can't marry you. Your mother was um, was terminally ill and you're opening mm. a business the next day. Right. And, and mm. the following weeks, months, how did you cope through that? All of that pressure, having to keep it together for your business, your newly formed business, mm. keeping it together for your family, so on and so forth. How did I keep it together? I mean, I didn't, I suppose is probably the, <laughs> the simple answer. Um, I mean, I, I didn't and I did, you know. So I think one of the things that was was quite instrumental was my sister and, and brother-in-law and, and having that that family to to be around you know like I was able to not necessarily like dive into it too much and I you know like in retrospect now I would certainly you know take some different avenues in terms of support um and and have certain conversations and seek out you know some some support but I think uh there was a level of safety and just being in the presence with them and knowing that the support was there and certainly having some conversations for sure. And then also not too long. And, and then, you know, when it came to our mother, obviously there was that shared, that shared situation there. So there was a lot of kind of supporting each other uh, around that. And then I do feel like there was a, it's one of those things 
I imagine are people who've had a parent pass away after a, let's say a terminal illness, you know, she was, she was four years um, since diagnosis to death that there's a, it allows for a period of grieving before the death happens. I feel like that was quite, quite accurate for me. Um, and there was a, a level of like kind of utilizing that ability to compartmentalize and like, okay, well, you know, like for example, heading into the gym now, I just need to, you know, put that to the side for a moment so I can show up here and then, you know, like I would allow myself to, to, to grieve and, and, and feel sad, certainly in the, in the, in the context of the relationship, but there was a, a shit ton of confusion and powerlessness and helplessness because I didn't have the answers so much, you know, like, because she made the decision. And so like I was, there was confusion and grappling for solid ground. And so there was a lot of like struggle in that for sure. And then like, okay, now I'm here at the gym. I got to get my shit together and, and do that and had to get into that mode. And upon reflection and certainly talking to my wife who, you know, met me at the time, <laughs> you know, she kind of witnessed this dude who was very, um, very, yeah, internal, I suppose. That, I mean, that is my mode is, you know, like I will observe and kind of withdraw into myself if, if uh, it's something's kind of unfamiliar or overwhelming or, you know, like I need to kind of find my place. And so I kind of just like exacerbated that, I suppose, a little bit. And that allowed me to, to process as well as the, the conversations and support I, I was having. And then another piece that happened at the time was a good friend of mine, had also moved back from the UK with his partner and followed something similar. Like they got back and then they broke up not too long after. And then the two of us were kind of like, you know, very good friends. And now we have nowhere to live. So let's find a place together. And so whilst at some point, you know, we kind of were 26 year olds partying and doing those things. We had this like kind of solidarity in like the situations we were in. And there was a, like a, I think a beautiful level of mateship and support that was still very, very basic, you know, relative to what I know it could be now, but it was there. I think it would have been quite a different experience, let's say, if I didn't have that or there was, you know, he had this loving relationship, you know, like there was there was all these pieces kind of there together, including, you know, like feeling shit and struggling and, you know, having to kind of um, pick myself up and and dust myself off plenty of times. But I think one of the, the beautiful things for me was I had created a bit of a pattern of being in reflection. So if I, if I kind of zoom out a little bit uh, further, when I first moved to the UK a couple of years earlier, three years or so earlier, I had moved to Scotland. I moved to a place in Scotland where I played rugby. And I was essentially, that's all I was doing was playing rugby. And so it was a small, pretty small town, somewhat in the middle of nowhere. And like, basically what I did was I trained and I played rugby and I was living with it. I didn't know anyone. And then I all of a sudden was living with someone who was like my captain and, and pl like player coach of the team. And we became good friends. So essentially we, we trained, we played and then like I had some time on my hands. And so at this age, I think I was 24. I suppose I had an opportunity to, I don't know, I could have done anything. What I ended up kind of choosing and maybe circumstances, a big part of that was, I had a lot of time and, and I, I spent a lot of time with myself. I didn't necessarily fill it all. This is before smartphones too, right? So it wasn't as easy just to like pull the internet out of your pocket and fuck around for hours. And so I read a bit and, you know, I started to kind of read a few books on personal development, let's call it. But I started to really spend a bit more time reflecting on myself. And one of the things that I really uncovered was, oh, I'm in my head a lot. <laughs> 
I think about what people think about me or might be thinking about me a lot. And I was single, I was 24, I was in this new place. And like, all of a sudden I was the one with the accent. And so I was a bit of a novelty, but I was still so terrified of rejection and all this kind of stuff. And so I started to notice that stuff. And so that period is what kind of started me very gently. I wouldn't say I dove head first, but that started me in the the, the realm of being in self-reflection, like really exploring my thoughts and, and all that stuff a little bit more. And I think slowly over those next few years, that set me out to, to kind of step up a level when let's call it the shit hit the fan um, somewhat. So I had developed those skills a bit more. So when I then, you know, kind of spent a lot of time reflection and reflection and, and introspection, um, I, I'd, I'd exercise that muscle a little bit, you know? And so with the support I had around me, um, I was I was able to navigate that a little bit more skillfully than perhaps I might have earlier, but it was still a challenging period, there's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, so there's something that came up, and I, and tell me if this lands with you. I'm I'm not sure, but it's something that I I notice, especially in our work in our field, that you want to surround yourself with like-minded men. I kept hearing you talk about surrounding yourself with other men. Did that help you within your journey with, you know, were they kind of curious on what you were doing and things of that nature? I mean, yes and no, right? Like I suppose there's a, there, there is an innate desire in there. And, you know, like part of my story is I'm, I'm the youngest of three. I have two older sisters. And so I, I can now, you know, look with different eyes at one of the things that I yearn for in my younger years was brothers and that was something that i transferred onto my friends and so my 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 friendships were very important to me so i suppose that kind of like you know it strengthened a bit um but to to kind of part of the point earlier i i, I linked there but i didn't necessarily lean in the way that i would now or could you know there wasn't the depth and really talking about, you know, like the sadness and navigating the shit um, anywhere near as much as, the, as there could have been. But having those friends around me was was pretty important because I think, you know, the challenge for a lot of men, and I'm sure you've seen this yourself, is we have friendships sometimes when we get into our 20s, into our 30s and, and beyond. Those friendships are the same that we've had for years. And how cool is that? And... Like literally, if those friendships have not changed since you were 18, then you haven't grown. Like what the fuck? They've got to change at some point as we mature. So do the, the, the opportunity in that relationship, which is not to say we throw everything out. But if we can't connect at a, at a greater depth, if we can't talk about the shit that challenges us, because guess what? The older you get, I don't care who you are life piles more things onto you, more responsibilities, more challenges, right? And so we need to be able to navigate those things. And and so I think I wasn't at that point. Again, I think there was a deep yearning probably in there, but I was fortunate that I had very good friends who who I was able to utilize at that more surface level. Um, and then slowly as I got into the work, you know, is when I started to see like, oh shit, you know, there's, there's some depth there. And and funnily enough, when I started exploring this stuff a, a, a lot more, 2012, I happened to be in, I, I chose to be in this, uh, like a like an entrepreneurial kind of accelerator course for about 12 months. And 
it was beautiful for me it was one of the first things like that i'd really stepped into and so like i was involved with these kind of like 50 other people we met quite frequently i don't know a couple times a month something like that and it was my first avenue into like kind of a meeting of, of minds essentially and so i got a lot from the content which is often the case but i got more from the people in the room very diverse businesses and people and backgrounds it was amazing and there was a man in that room who i can now look with such gratitude and appreciation and beautiful hindsight um that i did not utilize or appreciate as much as i could have at the time he was someone who'd been heavily involved in men's work in australia for many years you know well into his 50s i think at that point um and he is an elder and now i was still a brash dude in my let's call it late 20s i think and i i i, I kind of latched onto him in a way and i started writing a book and i interviewed him and you know I, I i took a lot of wisdom and stuff from him but that was probably the key word there i probably took it as opposed to like really immersed and sat with and appreciated and so on and i, I met with him funnily enough a few years ago for a different project and we're having some conversations and i said to him you know look i want to first of all like apologize for for you know i suppose in some sense like how i showed up back then and i really want to honor you and appreciate you for you know who you are and how you were you know with me and the guidance that you gave me and i didn't you know appreciate that as much at the time and and this i suppose for me as a mark of someone who's an elder he was like i know you know my job wasn't to 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 be anything different or to you know like tap you on the shoulder and say be a grateful you know stop stop being a little shit or, or anything like that not that i was being a, a little shit but i could have had you know more honor and appreciation there and i think there's a grace from him which was like how could i if i'd never been around that or experienced it in the past and so he was like you know you, you, that's the phase you're in and you needed to go through that and it was beautiful to see where you were and where you are now and all these kind of things and so i also think at that time that was quite a significant relationship of sorts you know, to, to have a, a level of someone who had been around the block many times and could talk to me about the stuff and, you know, and, and really gain some wisdom there. Um, I think there was also a significant one. So it wasn't the mates so much as that the elder level, which was quite significant because that led me into like leaning to, you know, talking to some therapists and psychiatrists and these other people who were experts and kind of elders of a form where I was completely out of my depth, but it supported me in kind of more, more going to, to, to new depths. So I, I think there was a, a different elements. Um, and yeah, now I have the beauty of 2020 hindsight of like, oh man, I wish I'd utilized all of that stuff more, including the friendships, you know, that I had. Yeah, I think that's the, like when I, being in the uncivilized nation, uh, we have we have three elders and like they're, mm. the value they provide and just the openness to listening and understanding what, what you're going through at the time. Like for me, uh, when I went uh, to the in-person initiation event, I met with Dewey, um, Dewey, Dewey Freeman. Um, and I don't know if you know, know who I'm talking about, but uh, mm -hmm. just what, an, what a, um, a man, first of all, like how mm -hmm. much uh, wisdom that he has and then just his take on life. And, and I was able to tap into that and I was in a deep, you know, a dark spot in my, in my journey. And mm. he's, he's sitting there and he's, he's just listening. And then as soon as I shut up and I was like, Hey, please just show me the way he was like, what are you feeling? <laughs> right. And I think that's what a lot of men want to bypass. Right. We want to, we want to not, mm. we want to not feel that heartache. Um, I want to get, and, and that takes me to my next question of, of that painful moment we talk about. So it's turning your pain into power. Um, I know you talked a little bit about 
you know, your, your ascension into men's work, but how did the pain, mm-hmm. that painful moment for you make you, or not make you, but guide you towards men's work? Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, like this is probably true for a lot of guys in my, in my experience as well as, you know, we're often driven by our pain. You know, a good friend of mine, Javon Langford, has this line. I don't know if it's his, to be fair, I can ask him where he says, you know, we're pushed by pain until we're pulled by purpose. And I think, you know, we're often driven by the avoidance of pain. You know, it's it's so true for a lot of us. We we experience many things in our younger years and they can often, you know, form any number of beautiful and horrible, you know, experiences. And anything that, you know, is is feels unsafe, we want to create ways to negate that thing happening again. And that often is, you know, driven by the fear of that thing happening again. And so we're often pushed to avoid those things from happening again. We're pushed by that pain and we're pushed by that pain and we're pushed by that pain, you know. And, and you know, I think as Francis Wallace says, you know, we tend to kind of, inj- we're injured twice, first at, at the event. And then as we continue to re-injure ourselves, when we live life with kind of that lens, right? And so we keep seeing ways in which that is playing out. We form these beliefs about ourselves, you know, I'm not good enough and, and all these kind of things. But we keep re-injuring ourselves with that belief and the meaning we've attached to that. It was in the past, but what can happen is we're driven by the avoidance of pain. And that can be, to that longer term stuff and then in the moment. And so for me, that was very true at that point. You know, the relationship ending was um, a shitty time <laughs> and very painful. And the major motivator really coming out of it was, you know, it, it wasn't a one plus one equals two that sent me into men's work, so to speak, but it was it was a, you know, windy fucking road. Uh, but I think the major driver was the avoidance of i don't want to feel like that again as opposed to let's say being pulled by more something more purposeful something something founded in in meaning and pleasure which would be like i want to create a relationship where i feel you know alive and free and whatever right and and of course that if we don't know that stuff we don't know it so for me it was very much that i don't want that to happen again and as i said there was a period there of being fairly dishonest with myself I did not want to be in a relationship right then, but that wasn't the line that I was using. It was like, ah, I'm not interested in anything. I just want to be single. You know, really what the truth in there was, I don't want to be hurt like that again. And so I operated from that space. Now, would I do it differently? I mean, probably not, right? Because it's all the things that have led me to where I am now. So so no, but I, I do know that, yeah, I could have, had a bit more grace in that and potentially with some of the people that I might have you know not been so amazing with along the way so that for me I think was kind of the big thing and 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 what led me into you know a deeper avenue of self-reflection right so like I say there was a lot of like what was my part in this like how did this come about you know like I got some answers from her of course but um ultimately I, I I can't the the aim in knowing all the answers there is so I can control this feeling in me that's wildly and feels wildly out of control. And so I learned, you know, plenty of things about myself, I suppose. One of the key things was like, well, look, we just weren't right for each other. There was a lot of stuff that was and probably some things that I had overlooked. Huh, maybe I've 
not being true to myself in this part here. And, and maybe I was, you know, kind of abandoning, abandoning myself and my truth and my, my integrity in these little pieces over here. And those are, when you think about it, very fucking significant, especially if you expand that out across, let's say, you know, a, a marriage, which may go for many years. So it was definitely centered around that avoidance of the pain of being hurt again, which slowly, you know, led me into introspection, reflection, learning about myself to then kind of going, as I said, when you know that, that next relationship started to form was like okay so what do i want what do i value what do i give a shit about which was automatically asking me to to, to you know aim my eyes forward and you know i like to say both to the point earlier for for a lot of us in our lives generally speaking we're still driven by some shit from our past that we haven't addressed that we're avoiding right that can often come down to a, a very very deep foundational truth that we've formed about ourselves that i'm not good enough that i'm unlovable whatever it may be and so it's not true but we've made it true but if that is still driving my life then you know that i'm essentially running from that and you know if i'm going through my life looking over my shoulder then I can never really see what's in front of me. And I certainly can't direct myself very well. I'm just terrified and running away from that thing. At some point, because that can get me into action. And if it does, fuck yeah. At some point, I have to turn my eyes forward into what is pulling me forward and what is meaningful to me. And so that was that was part of that messy period um, for me, which, you know, to factor in one of those other big elements with my mother dying, you know, part of that was like, well, fuck you know, life is fragile, health is important. And so again, I wasn't going to be driven by, I don't want to die, but the, the natural kind of step there was okay, well, what do I want for myself? What do I want to experience? And so it was, it was inviting me again to, to bring my eyes forward. And that's kind of where, uh, yeah, part of that, let's call it power, um, came about. What is health? What is life? You know, what are these things for me? What is meaningful? And, and that was kind of the invitation to, to really start looking in a different direction and looking, you know, at life and myself differently yeah that's um it's very powerful just hearing you say that um it, it leads me to as you were in that physical fitness realm uh i i only can relate to my my truth my experience uh, i was previously in the military for 13 years and i know at like year seven I just started suppressing the feelings like i didn't like being in the military i i liked developing mm -hmm. people i was a uh, in the Navy, I was a chief, right? I, I had the opportunity to, to professionally and personally develop uh, men and women. And I love that aspect, but I hated my job. So that like brought everything mm. down. I, I can't say that you hated your job, but when you made that shift from personal trainer to men's work, was there something that just mm. like opened up for you and like, and, and you were like, hey, this is where I need to be at this point in my life? Yeah, I mean, the, fir the first thing was, uh, as I said before, <clears throat> I started to kind of look at like, okay, what's going on with men here? Again, like I'm seeing the physical, uh, this isn't working for us. And and that's generally the the narrative. No, I'm not where I want to be. And then it was like, well, mentally and emotionally, we're not either. You, you can't have those two things separate. Shit, there's something going on with men. And that's when I started to see, you know, things like statistics, you know, like the the, the rates of suicide, you know, always being a fairly glaring one different around the world but in a lot of western countries you know it's kind of like around that 75 percent of suicides tend to be men and things like that were, were kind of like a, a, a bucket of cold water to the face it really made me like 
sit down and, and pay attention to the gravity of it. And, and so that then became something that I was like, holy shit, I can't not pay attention to that. And so that came into a lot of my conversations. And so when I started talking about this stuff more and verbalizing it and, you know, having the opportunity to, to speak to the gentleman um, and others, as I said earlier, and then that's when I started writing uh, my book. My book is called Unleash Your Alpha. And it, it, it is very much still centered in the realm of fitness, but it was, it was actually a, a beautiful bridge for me to, to come away from just fitness, let's call it, and to like, let's look at the man individually. I'm going to do my best now. I don't know why, but um, I have to remember the, the, the tagline. Um, train like a man. Is that it? Train like a beast, eat like a man, operate like a gentleman and become a legend. And so, um, you know, and legend is very much in my brain now. So it's interesting that I landed on that back in 2012. But for me, it was very much around like, let's look at the whole of a man and what we need, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, and and like what's going on with me and so it was an avenue into that so as i started writing the book and i was you know speaking to this elder and others in the space of working with me and, and therapists and so on i was then you know absorbing a lot and then having a lot of conversations and so one of the key things for me was okay first of all i obviously decided i was going to write the book but it was the resonance in people when i was having those conversations like holy shit yes 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 like oh my god that's me and like, oh i feel that and like holy shit i've seen that here and, and so that was just happening like all the time and of course like the more that happened the more i was having those conversations the more it encouraged me and so on and that's when i kind of really doubled down uh on the book and you know like this oh i i am on something here like i need to keep going and so i remember and this might be a very common feeling or experience for a lot of people for me it was at a point at which i was writing my book where there was a bit of this kind of like i suppose imposter syndrome is the easiest way to sum it up but it was a, it was a bit of like you know who am i to to write this book and i was fortunate it was in this um this program that i was a part of and so we actually had a writing a coach an author and and you know he was taking us all through some things and so on and that I had this piece come up and I think quite a few other people did, no surprises. And someone who was very good at what he did probably knew this was going to come. And I remember he said to me, you know, we had this conversation. He kind of asked me some things around like what I was doing and why and the reasons and all the things that I was seeing and conversations I was having and so on. And he said to me, who are you to not write this book? Like, listen to what you're talking about. Who are you to not write this book to keep this from us? And so I think all of these things that were slowly building and I was having the conversations and feedback and ooh, positive people, blah, blah, blah. and then this kind of moment, it was really like, holy shit, this is, fuck, you know, you're what, you're right. And I could really take ownership in that moment of like, this now is something that my soul is calling me to do. And so who am I not to? Fuck yeah. Uh, and, and that was, you know, not just one moment, but pieces coming together to then kind of be ready, I suppose, for that moment to, to galvanize. Um, the determination really yeah and i um sorry there's some people back there um <laughs> i um i remember for myself like I, I i've been wanting to write this book and i've been like coming up with those same thoughts of like this is uh this is it's not me like i'm i'm, I'm being an imposter but i think that it everybody has a story it's how you narrate it and how it's it's how you get out there because someone is looking at you no matter if you don't 
even if you don't feel like you're a person that can can give value or or, or teach right there's someone mm-hmm. always looking and and going through the same thing that we're going through and i think that that's mm-hmm. where like in men's work what i've seen the most uh the, the greatest aspect is when we come in community and we can just hold each other accountable and we can open up and we can allow things to flow and then like say hey wake up alex or wake up mike like you're you're where you need to be with who you need to be and on the path that you need to be. And, Mm -hmm. um, I just can, you know, like many men out there that anybody that's listening, like I continue to push that is like, you're on the path that you need to be. And you know, you're not alone and, and reach out. Um, if you had, go ahead, were you going to say something? Oh, like a hundred (laughs) percent. I I concur. You know, I think that's one of the, the things early on that was very, I suppose surprising, but certainly like very powerful for me to pay attention to. And that was the more that, you know, I was inviting men into exploring some of this stuff. And then like, as I soon figured like, holy shit, it's very powerful when this is not just kept in the dark, but, and also not just a conversation with me, but, but more of us. Cause like, did you know that like, he's feeling this way and he's feeling this way. And we're basically all feeling something very, very similar beneath the surface, but none of us fucking talk about it. And we've learned this idea that we shouldn't, and it's weak to, and all those things that we have to out. Right. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't build, you know, resilience and, and self-efficacy and, and the ability to navigate hard shit ourselves. And one of the things that's stopping most of me in doing that is the fact that we believe that everyone's got their shit together and I don't, and I'm the only one who doesn't. And so I need to mask it and pretend that I do. And we get together and it's like, oh fuck, me too. And and that alone is so powerful for a lot of men and then doing something about it. Uh, but the uh, the avoidance of it really is that kind of it, it's self-denial and that doesn't tend to take us anywhere amazing yeah and i i actually that's something that i've seen um as i traveled the country the uh the united states um when i go and stop places we you know i take the kids i have four kids four young kids and we go we're playing at playgrounds or whatever the case may be and when i when men when men come and we talk and i say hey i'm a men's coach they immediately like what is, tell me more. Right. And then I, I get into like what I do and then they, they feel like, Oh, it's great. Let me talk. And, and it's great to, to especially see now that um, men opening up to men. And I say this because you mentioned early on about the sensitive new age guy. Well, I use that term for mm. movement, but um, we're, we're supposed to be vulnerable. And, and I've heard many men say, Oh, like I'm only supposed to be vulnerable with my wife. But I feel like mm-hmm. when I when I go back in my journey, like that's the unhealthy piece because I can't mm-hmm. push everything on my wife, right? I need to I mm-hmm. need to be open and vulnerable, right? But I also need to understand that um, everything doesn't need to be uh, on my wife or a significant other, whoever's listening. Um, and so, like yeah. when, I, when I travel around and men start to open up, I I feel that like getting that getting together, like oh, I feel like I got my shit together. Well, now that I hear that there's other people, let me let me open up. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's the challenge for a lot of men, first of all, is, you know, and I, I'm sure you've probably heard this as well. It's not just the men, but funny that when you get into this work, you hear from a lot of women and I have a history of hearing from a lot of women and it gives me a lot of hope because what, one of the things it tells me is, man, there's a lot of women in relationship with men who want to understand them better, who want to support them better, who want to be in their corner better. Um, and it's also a place where you can't not see a lot of frustration. Like, fuck, like I, I wish he would open up. I wish he would have done this earlier. I w-. And so, you know, it's like, hey, fellas, no one's perfect. 
and she or your partner, whomever they are, might not be perfect either. But if you've got shit to face, then face it. But I think one of the big challenges there is a lot of women or, or you know, people in relationship with men might have an experience where he, he just won't open up. You know, he it's impossible to get to him. And, and so you've got some men who aren't opening up to anyone, you know, not even their partner. Right. And so here's a simple way that I like to think about this. And that is, you know, if, because let's not say that emotions are the be all and end all. Like everything has to be about our emotions. No, but they're very fucking important. And if you are not being a good steward for your emotional experiences, if you're continually stuffing them down and just staying in your head and trying to outthink them, here's one point you can't outthink a feeling because it's a feeling, not a thinking. So first of all, an emotion is sending you a message. And if you keep running from messages, then that's not very smart, bro. Like you're going to be, you're going to not be very intelligent because you keep running away from messages that your body is is sending you. Uh, and then if you stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff, I like to think of it like this, you're going to become very constipated. And so at some point, you're either going to shit the bed or you're going to vomit over people in your life and that is not a very responsible or mature way to navigate life so at some point you've got to learn how to digest and take a healthy crap um, when it comes to your emotions but then we have the men (laughs) then we have the men who you know to your point right like i can only do that with my partner so it's like fuck i'm beautiful at least you are and she's your partner they're your partner they're not supposed to also be your therapist and your mother. Like, why would you do that to someone? That, that is not an adult way of being. And so the challenge for a lot of guys, we do it throughout our lives, is that we we struggle for things that aren't black or white. So we keep searching for absolutes, for all or nothing, for black or white. So we struggle to know when do I open up and and you know communicate and share some vulnerability and their softer side with my partner let's say and, and when do i not and when do i navigate that shit myself and go internally and figure it out and when do i go to other sources well you you learn that by doing it sometimes you'll fuck it up sometimes you'll miss the mark but i would suggest that most men are so far from the line um that it won't hurt them to to push towards it a bit more so i, I think that's a very important thing for us to really land with like your partner has to be a place of safety and 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 conversation and openness and vulnerability and sometimes they can't hold that you know sometimes women are like well i need my man to be more open and vulnerable and then he shows up in that way and the, and the terrifies the fuck out of them so we also need to be able to learn to separate their shit from our shit but it can't be that everything that is challenging you in your life is put upon them because all of a sudden you're making them your therapist and for a lot of me it's also making them your mother and and that is I mean, it's it's not a it's not a partner based romantic relationship at that point. It's taken on kind of like a, a hierarchy, and there's many things potentially happening. But one is all of a sudden that other person becomes the person who has to carry all the emotionality of the relationship, and and that's a heavy dependence and you know reasonably unfair. And it's it's potentially many things. But here's one way that I'll frame it: it is an invitation to step into some genuine sovereignty and start owning and navigating some of your own shit. Caveat at the end of that, which is that doesn't mean you do it alone. And I would put it to you that you can't, you certainly can't do all of it alone, 
but in community with others, sometimes solo operators like therapists and counselors, definitely, you know, a community of men in some capacity will help you become more self-reliant, you know, build your self-efficacy and able to navigate shit that once challenged you, you know, with more ease yourself. And then life will send you challenges on, on a new level. Because, you know, we don't ever get to the point where we clock life and challenges never come, but challenges will come at a new level that ask more of you. And and really, you know, I think the simplest way to look at it is what tools have you got? And if your only tool for the longest time was swallow and avoid, shit's going to explode at some point. If you If your next tool was just your partner, also very limited. So like build out your tools. So you've got you've got more in your arsenal, you know, so that you can actually navigate the challenge because life can be fucking challenging. So, you know, build the tools, strengthen yourself and and get good people around you. Absolutely. I want to, I want to lead into a, we, we talked about elders early on uh, in the podcast. If you could go back and look at your, yourself all the way back there. And, and, and I'm not just specifically talking to you. It could be advice for anybody that is going through the same thing or going through some stuff. What would you give advice to yourself? Um, how much time we got? I think, um, I, I mean, probably, you know, a, a chunk of what we've discussed, you know, like one, whilst this might feel fucking awful right now, it will pass. Um, so a question to contemplate is do you just want to do you just want it to 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 pass but it still has its hooks around your ankles or do you want to truly you know move through it and beyond it right because i could just have partied and you know distracted myself from it and it would seem like it was passed and i did that for a little bit um but do i want to be able to actually you know build myself up um and move beyond it so so one it will pass. Think about how you want to um, actually, you know, like navigate. Oh. So I think, you know, primarily it, it, it was, I think I was very fortunate that I had this naturally and had developed it over the years um, of, you know, being very curious. And so I think for me, it's kind of like lean into that curiosity. My experience with a lot of men and, and certainly in my earlier days is very, I could be very hard on myself. And, you know, there's a, there's a, like huge difference in where we can go if we're being hard on ourselves versus being curious and that curiosity can really lead us to answers so so then what supports that curiosity is like other people who can support it and poke and prod it and facilitate and go to depth so so surrounding yourself with people who can support you not just a slap on the back you know like surface level fuck your man and she was a bitch you know like for leaving you yeah that's not real um support it might be you know, it might be a, a part of the puzzle, but to actually be able to support through through the shit and to navigate the heaviness and hold space to make sense of and and then you know to the to the piece around elders. So I think that would probably be one of the key things there is like surround yourself with people who can also support you in this because you're the um certainly not the first person to experience heartbreak, you know, or a a, a, a a parent who's very ill and then passing away, and so you can actually gain so much from um others who have similar experiences and or others who can support you through that um and then i think really importantly like having a part of what you're experiencing 
seen and witnessed because otherwise pieces get put away into the darkness and unaddressed you know they kind of fester and start to dictate some of our lives from the shadows so having our journey witnessed and seen i think is a fairly instrumental piece and it consistently asks us to face the discomfort of being seen and that alone you know has so much growth um in it but one of the simple things is the things that are uncomfortable and challenging soon no longer do because i can grow beyond them absolutely powerful i want to end this by just giving you the floor um and, and you can talk about anything that you want to talk for two to three minutes and then just let everyone know how they can find you on social media or your website or connect with you um if this if what everything the message that you're sending resonates for the listeners out there cool well i mean first of all hopefully you, this you've been able to understand my accent throughout all of this um so if, <laughs> if you've got questions on any of the things that i said feel free to hit me up including uh, pronunciations so look i think you know there's so many places that we we can kind of take this and it's hard to know where uh, any individual person listening to this is at in his life you know a lot of men take uh, an avenue i think podcasts and content are such a beautiful way to bring a lot of men into this work this world even just simply starting to look at themselves and their lives and that you know like there's maybe this voice in there that there's something more for me there's more available to me and and you know these kinds of conversations i think can do a great job at starting that process um what i will say um if you're not there yet is like just listen to podcasts just reading books just double tapping on instagram posts won't do it like you've got to do the work you've got to lean into the discomfort you have to implement the shit that you're learning and that you're consuming and if you don't have the tools for that and you probably don't because we don't all have them and there's always new availables uh, new levels available and we often haven't learned this stuff then you're going to need to find tools people avenues resources that can support you in going to those new depths and to one of the points earlier where i spoke about for a lot of us you know to, and to your point alex turning your pain into power a lot of us want to avoid the pain and just become powerful and and, and okay but it's limited it's extremely limited if we don't look at what is in the darkness but also to my point we can't stay in the place of just being driven by our pain because then I'm looking over my shoulder trying to avoid something. I can never truly move forward. So how am I turning that into you know, my power? What am I doing with that? And so I think um, something that I've seen to be fairly true in, in this work is we all have shit and we are kidding ourselves if we think either that we don't or that the people that we're looking at don't. We all have shit. And avoiding it just means that it follows us around. And it's fairly easy to spot someone who's got their shit following them around. Relationships, work, career, business. At some point, we have to turn and face the shit so we can move through it and get beyond it. And not only is it not weak, or some kind of so sign that you're incapable or incompetent or something wrong with you, that you have shit and that you're going to do something about it, like massive hats off to you for doing it because it can be very challenging. 
but I want to acknowledge the men that are choosing to do that, not just start, but really lean into putting the shit into action, applying it, getting people around you, facing some difficult things, maybe from your past, from your present, and choosing to move beyond it. Because there is always more available. But we won't get that if we don't look at the shit that's following us around. So if you want to find me, come and, come and find me. Instagram is a simple place to find me, Mike Campbell MC. Uh, otherwise, my website, mikecampbell.com.au. And yeah, look, I got, you know, many courses and programs and all that kind of stuff. But otherwise, if what I'm saying resonates, feel free to reach out, ask me questions. I love hearing from people who who might have come across me for the first time because of, you know, Alex's podcast, which is fucking cool and could be somewhere totally different in the world, which is amazing. So um, yeah, never, never, never feel like you can't reach out. Please ask questions and, and fire away. Mike, I truly appreciate your time today. It, it means so much to me for you to, to come on, especially like how involved you are in this field. Um, when I started this podcast, I really wanted to make a difference and being able to get someone on the, on this uh, podcast like yourself uh, really drives that point home for me. So I really do appreciate your time and I do look forward to many more interactions. I got a few uncivilized brothers that are down under that I got to get to. So I'll, I will definitely reach out when I'm in the Australia area. Beautiful. Well, look, you're welcome. Thank you. And, you know, well done. I want to you know acknowledge you for doing this and, and taking the steps and having the conversations and making it happen. And it's beautiful to see. Appreciate you, brother.